Heart on the Mic is an audio journal podcast where I share about my experiences, ambitions, motherhood, and everything in between. Through this podcast, I hope to bring insight, encourage, and empower you as you are on the pursuit of your very own heart's desires. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Heart on the Mic. I'm your host, Vanessa Arvayo, and I am here with Kat. We are actually doing this for a second time, so just thank you so much for re-recording with me. Last time we had some audio issues, and I just wanted to make sure we're in a fresh space. I feel like both of us were a little rushed last time. I was actually a little frazzled, so I'm just grateful that we're getting started on a good note this morning. It's actually like 6.30 my time, and you're like three hours, two hours ahead of us, right? Yeah. So she's live from Texas. Uh, We recorded back in September initially, and I share that because... I was preparing for this episode. I've been doing a lot of reflecting and I realized that I'm struggling a lot with following through. So Mm. thank you for helping me realize that and being patient with me through it because I just can't get things done out of my regular daily schedule. So I'm going to be working on that this next month because it took me two months just to reschedule with you. So that says a lot. (laughs) And um, I just want to reiterate I am so thankful for your flexibility because other people probably would have been like forget this girl she's unorganized I'm not going on her podcast so thank you so much and I feel like that ties into our episode today because we're going to talk about parenting with trauma or as I like to think of it as controlling your emotions as a parent and I feel like that ties in so much because we have to be so, so mindful of our actions and just being willing to kind of circle back to something if we don't really like how we reacted or how it made us feel. At least I've been doing that a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, since I became a mom, I really just found myself analyzing the way that I act and react to my daughter's needs. And I realized that a lot of the times the way that I react in new situations happens to be because the way like it was modeled to me as a kid and I don't know how people cannot love psychology but maybe Mm. that's just the psychology geek in me to want to find the why behind all those things welcome back Kat how is your morning going is it just getting started it's just getting started yeah my little ones are um just getting over um I think it was the flu, some sort of that's going around their school. So I had them home the past few days and I think we're on the men today. So I think we're starting to feel better. Um, But yeah, I've got, I've got two, two little ones, five and seven, two boys. So my house is usually pretty loud. Um, We might hear them, but my husband has them wrangled in right now. Circling to what we were touching on, even on the initial conversation, you had mentioned that there was even a shift for you, which I can relate to once you became a mom, right? You started to realize that there was just so much coming up that you never really processed or even unpacked as you were a younger girl. Yeah. So um, actually it started with me before I was even a mom. It started when I got married. So my husband and I have been married almost 10 years, nine and a half years. And um, I noticed that 
things were coming out in our communication that were definitely modeled for me when I was a child. So one of the things with my husband is that he avoids hard conversation. So when he's processing things, he can either like avoid it or he can just become like really quiet. So in my family, um, like my family of origin, um, there was a lot of like icing out if I didn't behave or someone didn't like what I was like doing. Um, that was like a form of punishment was just like ignoring me. And I got mm-hmm. the point that they were mad at me by them not connecting with me. Whenever my husband was processing like by being quiet or um, just sorting through something on his own, I would like freak out. I'm like, it just triggered something in my like childhood where I was like, oh, he's really mad at me. He wants me to fight, like to earn hit, like hit the conversation back or the trust back, which was not what he was doing at all. (laughs) That's just the way that was modeled for him when he's going through something is to, you know, sort through it on his own. Um, Anyways, it started when I, when I got married, I was like, oh wait, this really has nothing to do with him. This is all me and something that I learned growing up. I would love to say that I started working through it when I got married, but I think like what you were saying, I think it really started happening though when I had kids. Then I was like, I was aware of it when I got married, but then I was like, okay, what do I do with this? (laughs) It was more identifiable. Yes, yeah. (laughs) What do I do with this? But I didn't have the tools to actually work through it. So I'm pretty sure we just stayed like four or five years with just wonky communication issues. And once I had my second is when I started, you know, figuring out, okay, what is this and how do I, how do I fix this? I totally hear you because recently I was listening to an episode that one of the Heart on the Mic uh, listeners sent me. It was actually something on YouTube and it was by, I don't know if you've heard of her, Diane Laneberg. And she was basically saying that um, silence can be a form of bondage, like by us not saying anything when we're upset is holding the other one and bondage basically to us emotionally because we're not saying anything at all. It's not giving them the answer and the healthy communication. So in your household, it was showed to you in that way by like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm so upset with you. I'm not even going to speak to you. Yeah. And I feel like that was the case with us too growing up. Instead mm-hmm. of saying anything, it was just silence. And it was kind of like the Bible says to control your tongue or don't so say something when you're angry. But at the same time too, it was never circled back to in the form of, oh, you were in trouble because you didn't do something right or something like that. Or as a kid, that's how it felt because there was no follow through on like, I was upset with you because of this or whatever. It was just like, you know better, like we're just going to not say anything at all. Not even to say that like my parents were super aggressive with us, but I feel like it was more so with them. Like they didn't know how to have a healthy communication. So we watched that and then we just modeled it in our responses back to them. And my Mm -hmm. sister and I actually recorded like a week ago, it continued in a thought of basically the inability to identify our emotions now as adults. Like for me, for Mm -hmm. a very long time, I was super frustrated when I became 
a mom and you know the first few months are so hard you're mm-hmm. overly tired you're not even eating you're just hungry and I was nursing too and I just really had a really bad balance and one time my husband came home and he brought dinner and I didn't eat wiener schnitzels my whole pregnancy because I'm like you can't eat hot dogs it's bad for them but it's mm-hmm. like my favorite fast food people mm-hmm. judge me on it but <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure and, um, I just started crying out of the yeah. blue and he's yeah. just like, what's wrong? He was so concerned and I couldn't even pinpoint how I felt. So I was just like, I'm tired. The most like bandwidth I had to even process my feelings was just like, okay, on the surface, I'm tired. But yeah. thinking back, I know there was so many layers to it. I felt like lonely. I felt like nobody was here to support me. Like I was just stuck in my house all day, but I was scared to go outside as well because I didn't want to get my daughter sick and coronavirus. I had her in the winter, the flu, like just this whole list of fears was internalized and I didn't even know how to process it. I didn't know how to say I'm worried or scared or just unsure. Like those feelings are just so foreign. And then now that we all have little ones, my daughter's one, and then the rest are two and four. We've been having this conversations as sisters, like, oh my God, there's this feelings chart. And as like silly as that sounds, we're like, we want to get it for our kids because we want to be able to learn how to process these feelings of like, what is overwhelmed? What is frustrated? Mm -hmm. What is confused? Like those are obviously feelings that we know, but not feelings we know how to identify with ourselves. So I completely can relate to just like the mountain of like feelings and just build up definitely. And that shift happened for me once I became a mom, not so much in early marriage. You know, it just all came to surface when the baby came along with all the (laughs) postpartum feelings. So it's definitely processing double and I'm still like just bringing language to it now. Something I'm learning is that we can't, we can't expect our children to just know how to process emotions or how to name them. Um, or how to even know that they're okay if we don't know that ourselves. Yeah. So just like we're talking about with our parents and the way that they modeled communication, we need to do that in our marriage and in front of our kids because that's how they learn. So that's something that's so challenging for me and keeps me on guard with how I'm acting all the time. It's such a challenge in that way because um, it keeps you accountable. It's like, okay, well, do I want my kids to behave the way that I'm behaving? And every day, I feel like actually most days, there's some sort of, um, we can call them like negative emotions, but for me, they're just emotions. So it's like anger, sadness, all those things that normally you would just like push aside, you know, making it so it's, it's normal and okay for me to sort through and my kids to sort through. So we have a lot of conversations, especially with my boys of um, the age that they're at because they're constantly fighting. I have a lot of conversations of Everett, it is okay for you to be angry. That is an emotion that God gave you. You can be angry. Mommy gets angry. You may not hit your brother. So just that you can be angry or sounds like you're really disappointed. It sounds like you're really angry. That doesn't mean that you can treat someone bad. Doesn't mean that you can hit. Doesn't mean that you can say unkind words. 
So what do we do when we feel those things? Because we want to hit, we want to say something unkind. And then it like comes back to me, just like what you were saying, it circles back of like, okay, what am I doing when, you know, just mad at the world that day? Because what I'm doing, I have to, I'm modeling it for him. I just had that conversation with my husband last night of like negative feelings and being able to say like, yeah, I am actually upset or I am bothered. Mm -hmm. And for me, those kind of words were never said. So in my mothering and wifing, I've had the hard time of saying like, I'm upset or I'm bothered because that's exactly how my mom is. She just like internalized everything. You just made me realize again, like a lot of these things that I have picked up on from my childhood, it's like I can think back and literally picture the moment of it being modeled and not so much moments where my mom and dad are speaking into me like, oh, you can do anything that you want and you you set your mind on it and you pray on it and you have faith. Like I know so many times they, they spoke life into us, yeah. but what is more memorable to me is mm-hmm. the, mo- the moments where I can think back and remember how I felt. Yes. And seeing their actions and I'm just like whoa that's so heavy and I was even asking my husband the other day like I said how young were you when you could remember your first memory as a kid and I've been thinking about that too I'm like the youngest I can remember is back to five and that feeling that I felt is like a negative memory yeah and then like oh yeah it's like okay there's these these other good memories too Mm -hmm. but the heaviest one is is like one where I felt unheard. It just really goes back to what's being modeled to us. And as kids, they pick up so much on our nonverbal emotions, like how we carry ourselves when we're angry and upset or frustrated, our body language, just how our demeanors change. And even my daughter with her just being one and seeing how she's already like modeling frustration, I'm like, okay, I need to do better. Like, obviously I'm human and it's okay. Like we're saying to feel these ways, but how am I going to react? Am I going to react and just be so stern? Or am I just going to say, you know, mommy's frustrated right now. Like I just need a second because she is picking up already and she understands what it is to sit and wait and stuff like that. So why... Mm -hmm why shouldn't I tell her like, okay, I'm stepping away because I just need a second. And it may sound like a lot of kumbaya to people who are not at the point that we realize, but once they do realize they're going to understand, this is all going to make sense to them. Yes. Yeah. And everything that you just said, um, there's some actual psychological research when it comes to like negative and positive experiences. And I forget where I read this, but um, there's some science that says that when we have a negative experience, even if that's an experience that's just felt, it sticks to our memory, to our brain like Velcro right? And it stays there. It's hard to get rid of. But when we have a positive experience, um, say with like our parents or, you know, a time when your parents are, like you said, speaking life into you, that actually takes the brain five seconds to absorb. That makes it even more challenging for us as parents, because all those times that we correct, if I say like, Keegan, you need to listen better. It's sticking to his brain 
if we heard a lot or felt a lot of negativity to the point where it impacts us, like you're saying, you have a memory from when you're five years old. Do you remember a lot of positive things? And that's not a dig at your parents because we're all doing the best we can. (laughs) I have so many of those stories. I have some current stories where I have not done the right thing um, with my kids. So it's just, we're, we're all doing the best we can, but it's really the awareness that we have with ourselves that ha- helps us connect with our kids so that we can uh, reframe things and model things in a healthier way. Something I just want to say to anyone that's listening is we're talking a little bit about like parenting when you have trauma and that word trauma is... um. I feel like it's such a, like a word that's thrown around right now. Um, And there's going to be so many people that are listening to this and they're just like, I don't have trauma. Like nothing like horrible happened to me as a kid. But really when you define trauma, it really comes down to um, the person's experience and what you were saying about how they felt. Trauma is really like an experience where um, trauma can be defined like, uh, anything that's not nurturing. So these conversations that we're having or these things that we're reflecting on with conversations with our parents where they maybe didn't handle it the right way, that can be classified as um, something traumatic that you held on to. So trauma isn't always just a big car accident, an assault, um, like, you know, a a historic event it's not always something like that it can be these little things that um impacted the person you are today if it is something that changes the way that you view the world and others around you then it can be considered traumatic So it used to be defined as like there's big T's and then there's like little T's. So like these conversation things would be like little T's. But I think that really is, um, I think people in the helping professions are not doing that as much. And they're just saying like, if that felt traumatic to you, then let's go with that. And I love that, that the person gets to define that. So Um, all that to say is that maybe if we're talking about trauma and you're listening to this and you feel like you don't have trauma, you're like, oh, well, maybe this isn't relevant. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we all have it. I don't think that we come away from this world without trauma. I think we all have it in some way. And I think, um, healing happens when we recognize that when we recognize, oh man, there was something there and it's not to blame and, you know, point the finger at someone who did something wrong to us. Um, It's more of like, okay, this is, this affected me. What do I do with it now? And um, because there are, there are steps and there are tools that we can um, use to help us work past those things that keep us stuck. So I feel like it comes down to the ability just to be able to identify because that's where it starts. And even if you may not feel like there's something that you can identify, whether it's an event or extreme emotions, I feel like what it can come down to is even some people might be struggling with substance abuse and might not even realize what it's correlating to. And I recently heard of something where it was just um, 
someone was struggling with something pretty extreme and they were being told a certain thing and then it came down to them actually having a traumatic event that they forgot about and that they were blocking but their body remembered and it just reminds me of the book the body keeps the score so even if you feel like there's something that you haven't been able to pinpoint or even cared to try to figure out what it's streaming like rooted with the reality is there might be something that you don't even remember subconsciously or consciously but your you actually your body remembers which is crazy but for me to hear about that happening is just a reminder that things can just really go undetected for years and years and I feel like that's what my mom's working through right now she just has like a full life of traumatic events starting with her mom Mm -hmm. dying when she was younger than five so after that you know not getting cared for properly is just a whole life long of trauma and I was explaining that to her the other day I'm like you're 50 years old and you're unpacking now the last 50 you know 45 years of your life like it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of time but at the end of the day like you're going to feel better look you're already sleeping better because of the efforts you're making so I was just reinforcing to her like it is hard work but her choosing to do the hard work is going to reap the benefit for her in the long run. And that's all that matters. And then it just will ripple into the rest of us. You know what I mean? So she just has to do it for herself and nobody else, even though it's taken her this long. Yeah. Oh man. I'm so glad that she has you to encourage her in that. Um, because a lot of times when you're on that journey, um, it can be really lonely and isolating so speaking life into her and encouraging her I think is just um it's so beautiful especially as her daughter like that's that's a wonderful thing that's definitely a gift it's um, not always that way I sometimes feel like I want to avoid her because I don't want to know how she's yeah. feeling because I'm having a bad day <laughs> right you're right um and something with what you were saying with substance abuse is is um, that's something where my heart always goes to people who are struggling with issues like that because there's a lot of that in my family um so my family like I'm married and I have two little ones so when I usually when I say my family I'm talking about like my family of origin my mom my dad my brothers um and so there's a lot of substance abuse on that side of the family and I feel like one day I'm eventually going to end up working with people who have those sorts of challenges but it's something that I want to normalize because with what you were saying um, is we all have these um, these feelings that we have that we don't know how to cope with and so um, we find medicators and that's honestly what substances are that's what alcohol and drugs that's what those are and a lot of times we don't realize like what you were saying that there's something underneath that we're trying to medicate um there's some sort of feeling that we're trying to um yeah like bypass and um I want to normalize those conversations because it doesn't always look like um, drinking and doing drugs, it can be like 
um, being on your phone and zoning out on social media. It can be Netflix. That could be a medicator. Um, for me, it can be friendships. I play the caretaker role in a lot of my friendships. And um, that comes back to my childhood because I, I felt like I was a caretaker to a family member. I can relate. Yes. So, um, and for me, that I feel value. I feel most valued. Um, or it, I should say it combats this inner narrative that I have in my brain that tells me that I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not a good friend. I'm hard to love. Um, if I overwork or I medicate myself in friendships or relationships, then I it makes me feel like I'm not worthy. Wow, they need me, so I must be. I must be. Um, I I must be needed, and um, so that even friendships like that can be a medicator. So a lot of times we go to the extreme of like substances, but I think a lot of times I think so many people are medicating. And we don't even realize it, which is why we need to do the work, you know, and that's a continual thing. I'm going to be doing that until I meet Jesus. There's always going to be something that is going to come up that I need to like some stone that I need to unturn. So I need to work on something. But um, I think those conversations are so important to talk about. Yeah, they're so important. And for me, community is a really big thing. And that was something that I was able to realize after the fact, as much as I say, like, I don't have a lot of friends or I don't have like a best friend. I realized that like feeding into my friends and encouraging them and just checking on people was something that fills my cup. And because I wasn't making the time to do that, I was just like, well, that's why I feel so isolated. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, I do take on the caretaker role and now nobody's looking for me like, well, screw everybody then. And then it was yeah, just like yeah. that, that like <laughs> negative reverse engineering. Like if I'm not going to care for them, then they don't care for me. And then just like, well, I guess nobody really wanted to be my friend this whole time. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Just yeah. having that process. But the reality is it's just setting healthy boundaries while you are trying to navigate through your own emotions. So you're not reacting in a way that is going to negatively affect that something negatively affects something that really wasn't even bad for you in the sense or wasn't I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not magnifying something into what it really is not right yeah Yeah. when we're upset or angry or hurt then we're overanalyzing it and can mm-hmm. it can so easily be turned into something that can be a negative experience so right. something I've worked on is just or not even worked on I've always been good at it's just taking the step back and reflecting and figuring out well, well how am I feeling about myself and then working through that to be able to take on the rest of the conversations or you know, to realize like, okay, they really do care about me, but they're respecting my space right now or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that reminds me of a conversation I had with my therapist. Um, that was so hard for me. Um, and I was telling him like about how I just end up in this, these caretaker roles. And he was like, how are you showing up in these friendships? And I was like, what do you mean? Like I'm showing up like I, like I normally do. And he was saying, if these people are wanting to be cared for by you, they're probably getting the vibe that you don't need to be cared for. 
And so something to remedy that for myself is with my friendships to, to say like, Hey, I, um, I want to go for a walk with you this morning. And I want to talk to you, Vanessa, about the challenges I'm having in parenting. And, you know, they can say whatever they want. All my friends would be like, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I should say most of them would say that, but I don't do that. I come ready to listen and care for in my friendships, but I'm not ready for the people around me to care for me. So that comes back to me, which is so hard. And then that comes back to parenting. It's what we're like talking about is what do we do? Um, what, like, what are we showing our kids, you know, and, um, how can we teach them to not be the caretaker in their friendships? How do I teach my boys, you know, that like, um, you know, my seven-year-old that he's not the parent of my five-year-old, you know, he just gets to be a kid. Um, and that doesn't mean that he isn't a good example, just coming back to how we teach our kids, um, you know, to respect their emotions and to ask for things like space or to be able to name, I'm feeling angry. Um, and like looking at me, I mean, I, I have these days where I'm just angry and the kids are frustrating me and I'm overstimulated and I get to say, mommy needs space right now. Um, and I love you, but I just, I need a minute by myself and having tools like journaling or calling a friend or sitting in prayer, anything that will help me um, regulate so that I'm not coming back to my kids um, frustrated. And, you know, to be honest, that doesn't always work. It's not like this picture perfect thing. Parenting is super messy. I feel like life is super messy. Um, but we can all figure out what those tools are that are, that can help us, um, cope in those challenging times. I like how you name those certain things. And for everybody, it looks different. Like for me yeah. right now, it's fresh air and walking outside yeah. that can totally just shift my day or having time to myself, even if it's having to stay up a little bit later or waking up a little bit earlier. Uh, those are the things that feel like the sunshine's shining mm -hmm. on my skin is just taking yeah. time for those things. So those are definitely actionable. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you just sharing all these nuggets of wisdom and just diving into this conversation with me, because as I mentioned before, if you're not really on the same thought track yet, it yeah. just might not even sound appealing to hear someone talking about these things. Yeah. But, um, if that is a listener or if that is you who are listening and I would just encourage you to kind of just take it for what it is. If it's a thought at the back of your mind at a later time, cool. We accomplished what we wanted to by just sharing what we've learned while navigating mm -hmm. through all this, because it's definitely just been a journey that we've had to initiate ourselves. And I feel like that's the hardest part is just starting to dig deeper and trying to figure out the why um, you do certain things for me. It's personally been either completely shutting down and not saying anything or acting very aggressively, not like physically, but just like 
extremely frustrated and just like, oh, like really like, and realizing that certain things are not that big of a deal. And I just need to chill out and figure out a new way to figure it out. So thank you so much. I appreciate and just have enjoyed this time. So with that being said, guys, that's a wrap until next time. Thank you.